Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in to week nine of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college football edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. Hello, Scott. How are we doing, bud? We're doing good. Ready to rock and roll in another week as we inch closer and closer to the first college football playoff rankings, which will come out next week. And Penn State now dropped from the unbeaten, much to our chagrin, uh, as we had them in our contest. It was one of my favorite plays of the week. Offense just didn't show up. Uh, I, I don't. Th- I, I think the game said a lot more about Penn State than it did about Ohio State. I'm still not sold on this Ohio State team. Maybe uh, it's going to cost me in the end that I'm not a full-blown believer, but I, I don't believe in their offense. They were good enough to beat that Penn State team, though, who's offensively just didn't didn't show up. We were we said we worried a little about their explosiveness. Well, that ended up coming back to bite them. Yeah, and Ohio State, they just continue to be a machine, especially defensively. Um, You know, they limited Penn State to just one third down conversion in 16 tries last week. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible stuff. Uh, Big Ten football at its finest. So, uh, all right, let's take a look at the Week 9 schedule. Let's see if we can find some winners for this week. Four and three in the contest. Uh, A couple disappointing losers, including... Illinois plus two and a half up 21 to seven going into the final quarter. And not only do they lose, but they don't cover. I am eliminated from last man standing. 57 people were left in and Illinois knocks me out. So 57 out of 2300 something Uh, made it down to the final 11 last year. This year, the final 57, but uh, again, no championship for your boy here. So, We'll have to uh, we'll have to focus in on this other contest. Try and try and get us a good six and one, seven and zero week. Get us back on the right track. Let's start in the ACC with Florida State, twenty and a half point favorites at Wake Forest. Total of fifty one and a half. This is a sleepy early start in a stadium that isn't going to be very raucous. You know, pretty quiet stadium. Florida State's not been as good on the road as they have been at home. Remember, I mean, the overtime win at Clemson is excusable, I guess, although in hindsight, how good is Clemson even? And then, but I can't wrap my head around a two-point win at Boston College. That's a bit of a head-scratcher. Wake obviously isn't as good as they've been in the past few years, but they've not lost to Florida State since 2018. So... I can't lay 20 and a half on the road with a Florida State team that doesn't seem all that motivated to get margin, has had no success against this Wake Forest team, and is playing the the early wake-up game at Wake Forest. This feels like a a good spot for the dog. What do you think? I feel like this is a double play for me, meaning I want to be on Wake Forest in this game to then bet against Wake Forest next week when they play at Duke on Thursday night. So uh, it's it's almost like a pick-your-battle type thing. It's a short week. It's a bad spot on Thursday going to Duke to play there for a Thursday night game. This is the game where their focus is in on, right? Florida State, number four team in the nation, comes into their house. These bets are almost like correlated. I feel like if they put up a big effort here against Florida State, maybe you'll get a better number on Duke on Thursday. Uh, especially, you know, if, if Wake Forest comes away with the cover here. But I think playing against Florida State is going to take a lot out of them, and then we bet against them on Thursday. But I do like playing Wake here with the points. It is the noon kickoff, um, and it's not a lot to get up for for Florida State. They don't have any look-ahead spot. They're playing Pittsburgh next week, so it's not like the scheduling spot's bad for Florida State. It's just the time of the game and the opponent that really lends itself to just being, you know, a boring-type football game. All right, let's go to the Big 12. Oklahoma, who didn't play a boring game last week, uh, they are 10-point favorites at Kansas, total of 65.5. Kansas off a bye after the Oak State loss. Uh, 
OU loses against the spread for the first time all season. Uh, and now Oklahoma has look ahead to potentially the last version, at least this version of Bedlam is on deck. Oklahoma defensively was, uh, they had a hard time stopping explosiveness from Central Florida. And I know Plumlee was back, but UCF isn't the kind of offense that should be doing things like that to, to this Oklahoma team. That worries me a little. Kansas offensively, I don't know that there's any drop-off at this point from Jalen Daniels to, to Bean. Like It feels like they're fine. The, the offense is what it is. It's, it's a good offense, no matter who's playing quarterback. But the defense is bad. They, it's actually it's really bad. They, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. I think that Kansas can probably hang around for a while and then wears down in the second half. That's what they've done for most of the season. So maybe take a look at Kansas in the first half. I lean to them in this spot. I think this is a good spot for them off a of bye. And Oklahoma just having just lost their first ATS game and now has Oklahoma State on deck. Uh, so I lean Kansas. I also lean the over here. It's a big number, 65 and a half, but we saw some flaws in that Oklahoma defense last week that I think Kansas could expose. And I also think that, you know, Kansas is is not really going to stop a lot of people. Uh, I, I think at this point, we, we may as well start thinking about Kansas as Bean's team because I, I've been hearing Daniels isn't going to come back at all this season. I think that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I, I think I lean to the dog. Uh, I, I lean more heavily to the over, though. I think the over is the way to look here. I don't trust being against this defense, and this is, to me, a buy-low spot on Oklahoma after not covering last week and suffering the scare. I think Venables is going to have this team ready against Kansas. I think that he's going to have the defense ready against Kansas. We know what Gabriel and the offense can do, but I think this is going to be a defensive statement made by Brent Venables challenging his team after the performance that we saw last week. Kansas... Um, I, I I would like to see Daniels play. I don't think he's going to play. I don't trust Bean in this spot. I think this is by low on Oklahoma in a bounce back spot after the scare last week. All right. A little uh, disagreement here. Let's go to the Big Ten and Indiana catching 32 on the road at Penn State. The total in this one is 46. I kind of feel bad for Indiana um, catching Penn State off that loss. Mm-hmm. This Penn State defense, like that, that's still not in question. That was they were incredible again last week, even in defeat. And my first thought was, uh, let's look at the team total on Indiana under. <laughs> However, the dastardly bookie is a step ahead of me this time. They set that team total at six and a half. Eh, eh, that's a. I mean, that's just playing with fire. So, I think this matchup though will look a lot like the Indiana Michigan matchup from a couple weeks ago. They they went to the big house uh, as thirty three point dogs and lost fifty two to seven. Um, it, especially given that we know Franklin's going to want to take out some frustration, the, I'd only look to lay it here. Not excited to, especially, like I said, what I know about this Penn State offense, but Penn State against bad teams looks like a, a totally different squad. They're a juggernaut, and Indiana is an absolute corpse right now. So uh, this and, – and being back at home, this this feels like a, a typical James Franklin blowout spot, right? Yeah, Penn State's going to blow them out, absolutely. And you mentioned the team total being so low. I don't know if Indiana's going to score – and we know that Penn State's going to get into the 40s in this one. So they're going to cover this number. You mentioned the spread was almost similar when they were yeah. at Michigan, which is interesting comparing Michigan to, to Penn State here. But I think that this is a spot where you're right. It's a bounce back coming off of the loss. It's a get right spot against a terrible opponent. And what have we always said about Penn State is James Franklin knows the number. He does not let his foot off the gas pedal in the fourth quarter. They will cover this number. Penn State blows him out. All right, let's go down to Jacksonville, Florida for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Can't call the it dogs. That. I call it what I want. I, I'm, I'm not beholden to anything. Uh, Georgia, minus 14 and a half uh, against Florida, total of 47. And I'll be honest, when I looked at my power ratings, I said 14. My number screams Georgia here. Um, 
it's hard to want to back the dogs though right now without Bowers in the lineup and maybe I haven't adjusted enough for Bowers at least relative to the market uh but Florida's been pretty bad defensively the question is what does this Georgia offense look like without Bowers he's kind of their bailout guy my thought is maybe they take some more shots down the field which they haven't really had to do so far Mm -hmm. um Florida's been at their worst defensively on early downs, particularly first down. So maybe they don't need that bailout on third downs that Bowers usually gives them. And on the other side, Graham Mertz has been, as much as I've made fun of him, the guy's been quietly solid the last several weeks. Uh, in the in the Gator offense, they're throwing it over 60% of the time, which is good. That's the way to attack this Georgia defense is to throw the ball around I think Florida's going to have some success. I'm not sure how they get stops, though. I, again, my my power rating is so – because this is on a neutral, it's apples to apples. It's it's well over 18 on a neutral. I, I, I can't not play Georgia here or I can't, not, I can't play Florida here, even though I worry about Georgia's offense. I'm just going to play the total, I think, though. 47 feels like a low number. With this with this Florida defense, it's pretty bad, and a Georgia offense that I think is going to be more deep field attacking because their dink and dunk hero is gone. I think I'm going to take the points with Florida here, and I think that Florida is going to try and establish the run against Georgia. Now, Georgia, we know how good they are defensively, but it's not like they're a dominant front. They're 38th in the nation in yards allowed per rush. It's not top 10. It's not top 5. And Florida, in their losses, they only average about 40 yards per game, but in their wins, over 180. So the key to them winning the football game is to run the football and hope that the pressure is taken off of Graham Mertz a little bit. I also look at this Georgia team, and yes, without Bowers, I'm questionable about their offense, but collectively, they're 7-0. and They're the number one team in the nation. They're 1-4-1 and against the spread. This is a team that does not cover. They have not covered this season. We know it's it's a neutral crowd there in Jacksonville, maybe leaning Florida a bit. I I think Florida can try and shorten this game using the run and milking the clock and hope to keep it within uh, two scores. The hook is the big number for me. Getting 14 and a half is a play on Florida. 14 or below, I won't touch it. All right, let's look at the Big 12. BYU plus 17 and a half at Texas. This number's oh, it opened at 20 and a half. And I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Sark looks like without Quinn Ewers this week. I I don't know that I'm going to downgrade the Horns as much as the market wants to. I I I've heard nothing but positive things. I still talk to a lot of people in Austin who cover that team. I, I've heard nothing but positive things about Malik Murphy. And given how yours had looked the last couple games, how big of a downgrade could it really be? I don't think a three-point downgrade is is correct. Uh, and BYU might be the worst 5-2 and two team I can remember. I mean, they have been non-competitive in their losses. Their best win is at Arkansas, which who might not even be a bowl team. The BYU defense is going to have a hard time stopping the run here. And I think this might be a bounce back spot for the Horns. I'm going to wait to see if this dips any further. Like, because I, I mean, it, once it's 17 and a half, it might as well be 20. I, I, if if we get to a 17, I'm going to be on on Texas, kind of going against the way the market's moving. So, um, if it's 17 and a half on Saturday morning, I'll, I'll probably still be on Texas in some way, a little lighter. But if I see a 17, I'm, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a pop at the Horns here. BYU 88th in the nation in rushing yards allowed per play. I think the Texas will be able to run on them. And I like Malik Murphy. This is a, He's a monster of a quarterback. And I don't know if he's going to get stopped when he starts running the football. So uh, I, I think that people are about to be surprised and – you know, maybe pleasantly surprised from what they see out of Malik Murphy. You know, there was a lot of talk around Texas when Arch Manning announced that he was going to go there. And people talked about, oh, well, it's going to be Quinn Ewers' time, and then it's Arch Manning's time. Well, Malik Murphy's second on the depth chart for a reason, and I think the nation's going to find out this weekend why. Well, I mean, I remember telling RJ this at the beginning of the year that that Arch Manning wasn't number two on the depth chart. And he said, well, that's just not true. And I, I mean, I said, I, I'm telling you, people that people are raving about this kid. And it turns out it's true. The interesting will be if 
if he struggles, do they burn Arch's red shirt, which I tend well, to think Arch they will. Still, he could still play four games and then red shirt. Yeah. You know, as long yeah. as he doesn't play more than that. All right, let's look at Oregon at Utah. I got a feeling we're going to be bumping heads on this one. Yeah, uh, you're going to be on Oregon, and I'm going to be on Utah. The number's now been banged down below seven. Which a lot of Utah like. money has come in. Uh, Utah is great at home. They are solid defensively, but they suck on offense. <laughs> they put up seven against Oregon State, 14 against UCLA, UCLA 20 against Baylor, which in hindsight is a joke, 24 against Florida, which I just talked about them being a, a terrible defense. Getting into the 30s against Cal and USC is not enough to convince me that they figured out things on offense. Uh, I, I trust the Oregon defense, and unlike Dante Moore, the Ducks have the kind of experience at quarterback to handle a tough road environment. I said after the Washington game, everything's still in front of this Oregon squad. If they don't take care of business here, that that that's over. But I, I think under a touchdown, or Oregon's decide here. I think they go in and they win this game at Utah. Uh, I think it's a, a grimy game. I, I think the under forty nine is also a good play, just because I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I can't see Utah scoring more than fourteen points in this game, maybe seventeen points. So I, I don't see how it ends up being a shootout. And I do respect Utah's defense tremendously. I think they're very well coached. But I just think this Oregon team is too explosive and, and too strong on defense for Utah to have much success. Well, you just said the key word there, and that's coached. And in a matchup between Dan Lanning and Kyle Whittingham, I choose Whittingham every single day of the week. We saw Dan Lanning cost his team a victory at Washington. And I don't know if he's going to do the same thing, but I would lean on him to make the same mistakes here in this game against Utah in a place where Utah just doesn't lose 18 straight wins at home for Utah. The numbers, the most important thing for me, getting a touchdown is an auto play on Utah below a touchdown. I'm a little more hesitant. Uh, it's why it's not one of my best bets because I don't like the number right now, but I'm on Utah and, and I like them at home. I like them defensively. I like the coaching edge over Oregon. It's a must win for both of these teams to be able to match up with Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. I just like taking the points with the home team here in this matchup. But again, the number is what's important. If I can get the seven, I'll go with Utah. All right. Pitt plus 20 at Notre Dame, total of 44 and a half. I, this is typically the spot where I'd like to fade Notre Dame, these big favorite situations, but they're coming off a bye and Pitt losing in absolute heartbreaking fashion last week. I don't know if I'm ballsy enough to do it here. I, I do trust the Irish defense. I'm not sure what happened to the Sam Hartman that looked like a Heisman contender early in the season. His first four games, 13 to zero touchdown to interceptions last four, five to three touchdown to interceptions. And granted, Ohio State and Duke are very good defenses, but USC and Louisville are not very good defenses. And the QB change for Pitt seemed to work against Louisville. But then last week, the offense just didn't look right. There were no turnovers, but 9 of 20 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down. Their offense just, they struggled to convert. I, I lean to the under here. And I'll just assume that both offenses continue to struggle. And even if Notre Dame doesn't struggle, I think not struggling for Notre Dame right now is like maybe putting up 30, maybe. So I'll still like under 44 and a half here. Uh, what, what do you think on this one? Notre Dame's aside for me, and I'm going to be on Notre Dame a lot here as they progress throughout the remainder of their schedule because there's still something to play for for the Irish. They finished the season with two losses. They will be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, the important game is coming up on uh, November 4th when they're at Clemson, right? But if they win their next four games and finish the season with two losses, they are guaranteed a spot in the New Year's Six. So it's, it's something something that they still have to play for. It's not going to be a college football playoff appearance, but a New Year's Six is still the goal every single year when you're playing at Notre Dame. And so I think the motivation factor is going to be enough for them to to to, to will them through this, the rest of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they need much will to get through Pitt here, at least from a, a straight-up perspective. But, um, yeah, I, I have a hard time with this team covering big numbers. 
Uh, all right, let's look. This is an intriguing matchup, man. Duke plus four at Louisville, total 46 and a half. I have a feeling Riley Leonard's going to play. He was trying desperately to get back in the game last week against Florida State. And had he been able to stay in that game, I think Duke was going to win that game. At a minimum, they would have covered. Remember, they had a lead in the fourth quarter. And, you know, the, the backup couldn't hold it. Louisville coming off the bye. And obviously Duke coming off one of the bigger games of the season. But we, I've been waiting for Louisville to show themselves as a fraud. And I think they did it against Pitt right before the bye. I think that was the moment of like, yeah, this team's not that good. They're dealing with O-line injuries right now. Plummer is turnover prone. Those things spell disaster against this Duke defense that whatever's going on with the offense, the Duke defense has kept them in games. Uh, I trust that defense enough, though this is a high-variance game. If, if Leonard sits, uh, I'm, I'm going to lean to Duke, and anything over a field goal on game day, if he's going to play, I'll, I'll be on the Blue Devils. It'll be interesting to see what Plummer does in this game because I think Elko is going to really put the onus on stopping uh, Jawan Jordan. Um, he had talked a lot about him in the press conferences this week, calling him the most explosive back in the conference. And so I think Elko is really going to put the onus on the run defense to kind of stuff him. And that'll put some pressure on Plumber to take some shots down the field. Maybe it leads to turnovers. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. Um, I can't play on Duke if I don't know Riley Leonard's status, but that would be my lean here. All right, let's look at, uh, oh, we're going to actually, we're going to save the Tulane Rice game for best bets. Let's go to the Pac-12 again. USC minus 11 <laughs> at Cal. It's a total of 67 and a half. Both these teams on a five-game ATS losing streak. Um, I think I kind of like Cal here coming off the bye. They're terrible defensively. And USC will probably be able to get right in this game. But I think we're reaching the point of questioning motivation on this USC mm -hmm, team. Mm -hmm. uh, there's talk about Caleb Williams shutting it down. I mean, and the playoffs are out of the picture. Heisman's out of the picture. What's there to what's out there if he's not playing for those things? Lincoln Riley's been sick this week. So yep. he, he's mispracticed for the last couple of days. This is a team full of front runners and the chips are down right now, man. They also have after this game, they've got Washington, Oregon and UCLA to finish out the system or finish out the season. I don't know how focused they're going to be here. So I'm give me the Bears to make this competitive. Give me Cal plus 11 here. Completely agree with everything you said there. The rest of the schedule means something to me for USC. Uh, you can get up for those opponents in a lost season. You don't get up on a, for a road game going to Cal. And you mentioned Lincoln Riley with the illness, missing two straight days of practice. I just worry how focused this team is going to be going into a lesser opponent in Cal with nothing to play for. If you're looking at the um, S&P, FPI, all that stuff from ESPN, this is about a nine-point game. USC laying 11, a little bit too much. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got like uh, celery chopped up, and... Let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1. And all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and Five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? 
is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With pick six, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. All right, let's stay in the Pac-12. Washington laying 26 and a half. Is that exactly what they were laying last week against Arizona State? Hmm. I think it might have been. Uh, we were reminded last week, though, just how bad Stanford is. Like, we all remember, oh, man, they, you know, they, uh, you know they, they, they're able to hang with Colorado. They're able to beat USC. But when a team's got a defense and a pulse, not good. Uh, UCLA absolutely blasted them on both sides of the ball. So I guess laying an egg after the USC win is kind of unsurprising, but this was a hell of an egg. Uh, Washington also came back down to earth. We mentioned uh, they were lucky to get out of that game with a win against Arizona State, and Michael Penix just was not himself. Uh, I, I would say he looks injured. Uh, I don't know that he is, but he never came out of the game, but he certainly doesn't look like himself right now. That's This is not the the normal level that we've seen out of him. And I've seen Washington struggle against the bottom half of the Pac-12 all year. Like, they're not running away from these bad teams. So getting 26 and a half points at home, Stanford stinks, but it's the only way I'm going to look. I mean, if if UCLA beat them 42 to 7, Washington should be able to put up a big number against them. This feels like a bounce back spot. It feels like a buy low spot on Washington. Again, much like Oklahoma after the struggle last week. And I think this is uh, an opportunity for Penix, who's been hearing about him losing the, the the favorite spot for the Heisman Trophy. This is an opportunity. Put up a big number against a terrible opponent and get yourself back in the conversation. To win well, the why Heisman didn't you Trophy. do that last week? Why didn't you because do that last, last week? But last week we knew it was a bad spot. They were coming off the Oregon game. You, you mentioned it. He was probably hurt because he was banged up against Oregon. Now it's like another week after that. I don't think the Oregon game has uh, the hangover effect anymore. I think this is the get right spot. Like they're, they might as well be playing a D two team. I mean, this is this is this is an embarrassment of a football team in Stanford right now. All right, let's look at Air Force at Colorado State. Air Force laying twelve. I, you know, I love Air Force. I they're do. Good. They're good. A little bit of a rivalry spot here. But Colorado State's been fantastic as an underdog since week one, and I remember week one well because it was a spot that I had circled long before the season started. I said, oh, I'm playing Colorado State against Washington State, and Washington State blasted them. <laughs> uh, then they changed their quarterback, and Fowler Nicolosi has been 4-0 and ATS as a dog since then, including winning outright at Middle Tennessee and against Boise. I, however, Air Force owns this rivalry in recent years. They've won every game since 2015 and only once by single digits. Mm-hmm. I would love to back this Rams team as a dog with an improved offense since making that quarterback switch, but Colorado State's so bad against the run. That's they the never stop the option. Yep. I think instead of trying to like thread the needle on a side, I'm just going to say this goes over 48 and a half. That, that feels like the safe play. Air Force is going to have their success, but I do like, I think this Colorado State offense today is better than what people give it credit for. So 48 and a half feels like a manageable number to me. The only hesitation I have is you're coming off of the Navy game, which is as physical a game as you're going to get. And so how does that now affect Air Force in this performance, right? Um, they were beat up in that game against Navy. They came away with the win. We didn't expect Larrier to play, and he did, and he played well. Um, and they got the win, and and they covered the ten and a half. They pushed on the eleven. I like Air Force simply just because Colorado State allowing just over just about one hundred and sixty yards per game on the yep. ground. 
and you have a guy, Air Force is going to rush for 300 yards. So yeah. that's the only reason I would play uh, Air Force laying the number here. But I do have concerns about physically how they are coming off of that Navy game last week. All right, let's go to the Bluegrass State. Tennessee laying three and a half on the road at Kentucky. You already know where I'm going. I've said all season long this this was coming for Tennessee, and I'm going to keep fading them here. They are now 0-2 on the road, straight up and ATS. They had Alabama on the ropes and could not put them away. The defense looked exhausted. Milton continues to be a quarterback that I don't trust. Uh, I, I just, I, I want to play against him as long as he's in the system. He's just not a fit. The cats are coming off a much needed buy after yeah. getting thumped by Georgia and Mizzou. Uh, the last three times these teams played in Lexington margins have been three, three and four Kentucky plays Tennessee close. And this Tennessee team is not one that I like anyway. So I'm gladly going to take more than a field goal against a team that is five and six straight up four and seven ATS on the road dating back to 2021. So uh, give me, give me the Wildcats here. What do you think? Yeah. You got to be able to stop the run if you're going to beat Kentucky. And I know Tennessee is decent against the run, but uh, I still think Kentucky's going to have success on the ground. Uh, I have concerns about Tennessee coming off the Alabama game and how that affected them physically going into this spot. Um, that's going to be the biggest factor here is I think Kentucky finds success on the ground. And did the bye week help Devin Leary? That's the question that I have. Did they figure something out? Did they hit the reset button? Do we see a different type of approach from him uh, from this offense? Because he did not play well the past couple of weeks. You would expect him to be much better here in a, in um, you know a better a better environment, uh, let's say um, you know. But uh, playing at home here, I just I have a little bit of concerns. It's not a best bet for me. But I would lean Kentucky is the way that I would play. How many of these quarterbacks that transferred, like these late transfer quarterbacks, have had really successful seasons or more successful than they were where they came from? Like Hartman, Leary, no, Brennan Leary, Armstrong. No. Armstrong, no. Like none of these guys, uh, Phil Jerkovic, none of these guys are doing well. Like Graham Mertz, no. No. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, I guess you can say, but then he got hurt. You know who the most successful one is? JT Daniels. <laughs> yes. I made the best move. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's look at Ohio State at ugh, at Wisconsin. I hate Wisconsin now. I really do. That was one of the bigger gut punch losses of the season. Yeah. But the cap was was I feel like it was right. We knew Braylon Allen was going to get his on the ground. I thought Braden Locke would struggle in place of Tanner Mordecai and he did for 3 quarters. And they give up the eight or they score the 18 unanswered points. But Wisconsin's offense has to go up against Ohio State now who they shut down the Penn State offense almost completely, um, although they had their own offensive struggles. I, I still – this Ohio State team is not a team that I want to lay a big number with, but particularly on the road, 14.5 on the road is a lot of points. I think points are at a premium in this game. I joke about Big Ten football, but I think this could be a Big Ten football game. So I like the under more than a side, but I, I certainly lean to the home Badgers here. Yeah, I like the under as well. But when you look at the Ohio State uh, history here, they they they've owned this series. They've won nine straight over Wisconsin. They've won fifteen straight games over the Big Ten West, and their defense is absolutely lights out. We mentioned what they did to Penn State last week, especially on third downs, and I don't see Wisconsin having any any success on offense against Ohio State. So, yeah, the under would be a lean for me, but Ohio State laying the points would be the lean because I just don't see Wisconsin. If Penn State's offense wasn't able to do it, I don't see Wisconsin's offense being able to do it. All right, let's go to a fun one in the SEC. Vanderbilt plus 24.5 at Ole Miss, total 63.5. Vanderbilt's coming off a bye, but that's about the only nice thing I'm going to say about them. Uh, in a year where they were supposed to kind of take a step forward, they are still clearly the worst team in the SEC. The defense is the main culprit, uh, allowing 438 yards per game, and it's even worse on the road where they allow 38 points per game on the road this season. Uh, they're 0-3 ATS on the road, if you couldn't guess that. Mm -hmm. 
Ole Miss has to be pretty confident right now. They're coming off a win at Auburn, which is a place where the Rebels have historically had no success. With the exception of the LSU game and the Georgia Tech game, Ole Miss games haven't been the usual Lane Kiffin track meets. But I don't, I don't know how Vanderbilt gets stops. So I, I think Ole Miss can maybe get close to 50 on their own. This is one of the few overs I think I'm going to look at this week. Twenty four and a half. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to to back Vandy, but twenty four and a half is a big number to lay. Uh, so I think I'm, it may just be the over for me. Hundred and seventy five yards per game. That is what Vanderbilt allows on the ground. Yeah. And if we have Ole Miss finding success on the ground and taking, and, and then they could take their shots down the field. You're right. I mean, Ole Miss could put up a 50-burger in this game. Yeah, this isn't a, it's not a fun game to watch, but I, I do think there's, there should be some fireworks. All right. Let's, t- let's talk about Coach Prime. Let's see, it still personal. Personal. let's see if it's still personal. Colorado catching 17 on the road at UCLA. They're coming off a bye. UCLA has made a fundamental change. Um, Ethan Garber's in. Dante Moore out. He'd been struggling, and boy, Ethan Garbers looked like the right answer, uh, at least against Stanford. And th- there was big talk that, well, they have to start more because he's going to transfer if he doesn't. Well, bye. <laughs> Beat it. Um, he hasn't just, just hasn't been that good. Colorado offensively has not been as productive on the road as they are at home. So on the road in conference – they are score. They're scoring 15 points per game at home in conference. 42 points per game. That's, that's a pretty big drop off. And now they're playing against arguably the best defense that they've seen all season in UCLA. I think this could be UCLA, Colorado, or excuse me, Oregon, Colorado light. Like a game where Colorado went up to Oregon and just got. It, that was the first time we they were really exposed, and we were like, "Yeah, this team isn't that good." I think this game could look a lot like that. I think Colorado struggles here. Uh, I don't know how they get anything going offensively. Uh, it to me, it's it's UCLA or nothing. I like the under though. I I think that that Col- I mean Colorado getting Hunter back is a big deal. Um, but I I don't know where their points come from. I I think UCLA perplexes them, and I, I think that's a a really really tough day for the Colorado offense. The number two uh, rushing defense in college football is the UCLA Bruins, allowing 68 yards per game. And the number one worst passing defense in college football, allowing 316 yards per game, the Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, Coach Prime can talk in a big game and all the NIL deals. They are literally the worst team in college football defending the pass. Yeah. Like UCLA. And it's a good time to make that switch to Garbers then, right? Yes. And I think UCLA is primed to score a lot of points on this uh, Colorado team. And I don't think Colorado finds any success on the ground. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Sanders to throw the ball. Maybe he makes a mistake or two. But I think UCLA covered. This, this might be another Colorado embarrassment, like you mentioned, the Oregon game. All right, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, we're going to save for best bets. Let's go look at Old Dominion at James Madison. That's right. That's a top 25 matchup, friends. Money pouring in on James Madison, yeah. and maybe for good reason. They are they're really good, particularly on defense. They are the top team in the country at creating havoc. They're the top and- team in the country in rushing defense. 36 yards per game. Thir- 36. Rushing yeah. yards allowed per game. So that Havoc number where they're number one, they their opponent, Old Dominion, 126th in Havoc allowed. This could be a lot of turnovers, a lot of negative plays. Old Dominion's, they've already exceeded their season win total number. They're not as incompetent as this line suggests. They've won three of their last four. They competed in that fourth game at Marshall. They've got a running back, Kadarius Callaway, who's rushed for 433 yards in the last three games. But like you mentioned, I don't know that that's going to work against this James Madison team. He's been the offense, and if he can't be, I don't think we see much offense in general. Uh, I like the under 49 here. I think 20 is a little rich, 
Um, so I'll stay away from the side, but I, I like the under 49 here. Yeah, James Madison would be the only way I would look here uh, for this game, and it's because of those numbers that I mentioned on the rushing defense, 36.1 yards allowed per yeah, game. Yeah, pretty wild. I mean, that's th- – like, think about it. Like, that's one carry for some of these kids yeah. is you get a 36-yard carry. That's all they allow for the entire season per game. Now, I know their schedule is not exactly like world beaters here, but this is an undefeated team playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think that they're at home will have their way with Old Dominion. Oregon State laying three and a half on the road at Arizona, total of 56 and a half. And the money seems to be coming in on Arizona, which I generally disagree with. But I'm going to let the market do its thing and wait for a three to pop on the Beavs. Um, I have these teams power rated at almost 10 points apart. Arizona has certainly been upgraded this year, but I think it, the look in this game is the under. Well, Oregon State, want, they want to live running the football, and Arizona's been pretty solid against the run. Mm. Arizona, since the quarterback injury, they've run a lot, and they're having some success, but running against Oregon State is not easy. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm going to wait and see if I can get a three on Oregon State, but I do like the under 56 and a half. So I'm hoping for a grimy one late night in Arizona. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, Arizona was impressive when in uh, at Washington state, I mean, 44 points. I did not expect that from them. Um, that was a big time performance, especially coming after the USC loss. So I do like what I've seen from, from this, you know, Arizona team. And I guess that's why money's coming in on them is because the last three games, they've been very impressive. And now they're at home against the number 11 team. It just feels like a spot after two road games that the crowd would get up for them. Um, Now, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. Uh, There is a World Series game that night with an Arizona team playing in it. So (laughs) if you have, you know, that that game is not in Arizona, but still, um, just feels like everything's coming up Arizona lately, doesn't it? <laughs> I, yeah. have no, I have no feel for a side in this game, though. All right. Uh, let's get to best bets. Before we do, though, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. That's right, AJ. Use the promo code COCKTAIL15, and you can save $15 off anything at pregame.com in honor of I thought you said I couldn't use that. I thought you said we can't say that. Well, we're not supposed to say that. It's the world's, ah. it's the world's largest uh, outdoor tailgate is what we're supposed to refer oh, to Oh, I like to call it cocktail party. Can't call it a cocktail party, but you could use the promo code <laughs> COCKTAIL15. And you could say, we'll say it's because of the Tom Cruise movie. But uh, okay. you could use it, save $15 off at pregame.com. Let's get to best bets. You want to go first or you want me to take the lead here? I'll go first because I, I thought that this was going to be one of your best bets. But it's it's not. It's actually one of mine. I'm I, I'm betting on an unbettable team. I Listen, they had consideration from me. You told me we we can't bet on this team anymore, so I just respected your wishes and said, "Okay, I'll I'll sit this one out." Well, I'm going to take the points with Rice at home against Tulane, and the reason is is because I have serious concerns about Tulane's passing defense against JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey. Uh, Tulane allowed 426 yards to North Texas last week. They're giving up 343 passing yards. And I I think that teams, uh, oh, and teams are averaging 263 passing yards per game against Tulane. That's 147th nationally. Rice ranks 11th in the country in passing yards per game. You mentioned JT Daniels. He's thrown for 2,173 yards, 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. We know they're not going to run the ball. It's just going to be pass, pass, pass. And when I have a team that's allowing over 260 passing yards per game, I just I don't trust that defense. And getting 11 points feels like I'm always going to have a backdoor available because Rice is – never going to stop throwing the football down the field. So even if they're down by three scores late and Tulane's just playing prevent defense or whatever, we know that JT Daniels is going to continue to chuck the football down the field. 
And if they have success, boy, if they have success early on, they might win this game outright. But uh, I think that they're going to have a lot of success through the air. And I like taking double digits here with a home team that should be able to move the football like I think Rice will be able to move the football against Tulane. Yeah, I think that we have we've had some bad luck with Rice. Uh, the, The two games that, you know, their recent losses, I mean, the loss to Texas, they actually played pretty well. The loss that they had at South Florida, JT Daniels got hurt when they had a lead. They end up losing that game. The loss uh, two weeks ago against UConn is about the phoniest final you'll ever see. Look at the stats in that game. Rice absolutely dominated everything. They lost a turnover battle four to nothing. Last week, every, every dollar, and listen, as someone who I bet Rice last week, and I saw every dollar come against me, like everyone was betting Tulsa. Rice absolutely trucked that team 42 to 10 at Tulsa. Mm. I'm with you, man. This Rice team is dangerous. JT Daniels is a, a, whatever you want to say about him, he didn't work out at the Power Five level. He is an absolute monster at G5. And this is a good matchup for him against his two lane defense. And I think with the wave, they're not as good as they were last year, obviously. But you're still paying premium prices most weeks. So I, I'm with you. I, I like this pick. Uh, and I, and I, 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 like, think, I like the Owls. And Luke McCaffrey is going to play at the next level. Like, he's a oh, redshirt so. junior. I mean, he's going to play in the NFL. It's not just because of the family name and everyone's going to be like, oh, it's Christian McCaffrey's little brother. But, like, you look at the success that some of these guys are having in the NFL, the Puka Nakua's and mm-hmm. some of these speedy slot guys. Like, Luke McCaffrey has a future in the NFL. Well, and also the idea that all these teams now like are preferring to only carry two quarterbacks, and you've got a guy yeah, he's who quarterback, yeah, who can play quarterback like in an emergency situation. That's a valuable yeah. thing. All right, my first best bet. I'm going to go uh, the last game on the board, the get right game: San Jose State at Hawaii. Give me San Jose State minus ten. They are starting to look like the team that a lot of people thought they were early in the season, myself included. And it's easy to see, at least in hindsight, why they've struggled so much to date. They opened the season at USC and at home to Oregon State. They played Toledo on the road, maybe the best team in the MAC. They played Air Force, who's an absolute juggernaut, and they lost a tough game at Boise. Since then, they played at New Mexico and home to Utah State, two of the worst teams in the conference. They're winning by 24 and a half points per game. Now they get Hawaii, who is the worst team in the conference. They just lost to New Mexico to snap the nation's longest losing streak in mm-hmm. conference. San Jose State has a massive weakness on defense, and that is against the run. They give up nearly 200 yards per game on the ground. They are the anti-James Madison. Now they face a Hawaii team that runs for 56 yards per game the matchup advantages are all with the spartans they are building momentum right now hawaii is a disaster give me the spartans minus 10 at hawaii all right my next best bet i'm going with north carolina i'll lay the 11 and a half at georgia tech it's a get right spot for the tar heels after the uh confusing loss in their last game in hindsight, like, how did we not see this coming? Like, that, like, why didn't we? Why weren't we on Virginia? And not that I would have ever thought Virginia would win the game outright, mm-hmm. but after that Miami game, that was such an obvious letdown spot for North Carolina that yeah. I would really regretted not having any money on Virginia. Yeah, uh, it seems like this is the spot where North Carolina needs to focus because they can still have a spot in the ACC championship game. They will control that path. And it starts here with a big win against Georgia Tech, a team that ranks 125th in the country in yards allowed per play. North Carolina is the best offense in the ACC, and Georgia Tech's the second-worst defense in terms of yardage in the ACC. North uh, Georgia Tech just allowed Boston College to score 38 points against them. Like, if that's the type of defensive output you're going to have, like, why can't North Carolina score into the 40s against you? This just feels like everyone's down on North Carolina after the performance in the last game. This is the spot where Mac Brown gets them right. Yeah, I worry about this game. I I can see this going two completely different ways. I, I think there's a great chance that what you say just happens, like that they blow them out. But 
North Carolina's struggled in Atlanta. Uh, they've won just twice in their last 12 trips down there. Last year, North Carolina was 9-1. and one. They were one of the best teams in the country. They had a 17-0 lead against Georgia Tech, and they lost 21-17. to Like, Oh, good. Revenge spot. It is. It's certainly a revenge spot. The other worry is that Haynes King gives Georgia Tech a dual-threat quarterback look that the Heels seem to struggle with. They struggled against Appalachian State. They struggled last week against Virginia with it. Uh, this is a, a high-variance game. If North Carolina's for real, this is the game. They have to blow this team out. Uh, so I, if you're, if you're saying North Carolina is real, I see why that you, uh, why, why that you want to back them here. I, I, I have some questions, but, uh, but yeah, this is certainly a game that they can, they're, they're way more talented than this team, but for whatever reason, Georgia tech seems to give that team troubles. Yeah. This is Drake May's opportunity to overtake Caleb Williams and be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. All right. I'm going to go for my final best bet going to a, a the game that everybody's eyes are going to be on on Saturday. Everybody's going to be huddled around the TV. If this were like 1950, everybody would be huddled around the radio. UMass at Army. Nice. Army minus nine and a half will be my best bet. And Bryson Daly, quarterback for Army, I think could have probably gone against LSU last week. Um, he left the he left it about halftime of the of the Troy game. And they said that he like there was no indication that he wasn't going to play against LSU, and then they didn't play him. I think it was them saying we're not going to beat LSU. Why put our guy at risk here? Uh, they're still playing to to try and get bowl eligible. They need this win desperately to get bowl eligible. And for the second straight week, Army without him put up zero points. Champ Harris has been unable to move the ball for the last six quarters, and that could be because he was playing against Troy and LSU, who are two of the more talented defenses army's going to see this year try not to laugh at the lsu comment but <laughs> when you think about their schedule it is one of the more talented units they've seen or it could be because he's a true freshman and he's not ready to run the offense either way i think getting daily back is a huge boost for this team army has played umass three times since 2019 they are three and zero in those games the combined score 140 to 31 umass has not been competitive against anyone but the bottom feeding teams in the country. And while army is certainly down this year, they are not a bottom feeder. I think army at home has a chance to absolutely blow this UMass team out. UMass cannot handle the triple option. Uh, and again, when you do it three times in four years uh, and you get blown out every time, I, I don't expect anything to change. I expect army to continue to have success running the football against UMass. So army minus nine and a half will be my best bet for the pod. All right, that's going to do it for week nine of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, I I got to own something here. Uh, once I turned in our picks last week, I lost a ticket. So I did <laughs> not get to post my picks. So I had to, uh, you know, send them out to some people on Twitter. I know there was, I, and there was people who tweeted asking for them. I just didn't, I didn't put it up. I'll make sure we get it up this week. I apologize. I was irresponsible. Um, I don't know. I blame it. It's either my kid's fault or whiskey's fault. One or the other. I don't know, but just, just know it's somebody else's fault. Uh, for Scott Seidenberg, I'm AJ Hoffman. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you next week.